Christmas, Chapelgate, and thanks for joining us. Over the next four weeks, we will be taking time to explore the unimaginable Jesus by looking at the ways that Christmas carols capture the truth and hope of the gospel story. We hope that these episodes enhance your Advent experience and that you walk away from them feeling the peace, hope, and joy that this Christmas season is all about. And welcome back to week two. It's December 7th. You are officially into December, Chapelgate. And we're so glad because it is week two of Advent. And so we're diving into yet another Christmas carol, looking at the words, what they mean and how they impact our lives and really how they capture um, a piece or part or all of the gospel and speaks hope and joy into our lives. And I'm joined once again by Dan Passarelli and today by Ewan McMullen as well. So Dan, why don't you go ahead and... um, Tell us about what what Carol we're going to do, and then you can introduce our guest. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Uh, so last week we talked about "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," a song that paints uh, kind of a dark picture of the world, uh, but puts that right next to really the the bright hope of rejoicing uh, at the coming of Jesus. And this week we're exploring another song that is full of contrast. Uh, the song is "What Child Is This." Um, but before we kind of get into the words of the song, I want to say welcome, Ewan. Um, really glad to have you with us. Um, so, uh, Ewan, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Kind of, uh, you know, w- what what are you doing in life right now, and your connection to Chapelgate? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on here, guys. Um, currently, I'm a freshman at Calvin University. Right now, I'm studying finance. Uh, I start. I actually started out as an international relations major, but switched over. It was already. The, it's already been the first semester, so we'll, we're going to see what's going to happen. Yeah, but um, you and yeah, I was yeah. an international uh, relations major. Um, so, but you're you're definitely forgiven for switching out. So finance is pretty <laughs> cool too. So. Yeah, look where you are now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, my connection to Chapelgate is that my dad. He's one of the. Uh, assistant pastors and he runs a life counseling center and i've always known about Chapelgate because um my grandma li- has lived here for 30 plus years we've visited here so it's been somewhat part of my life but especially since the past two years since moving here uh during june 2020 so yeah you you guys moved here right during the pandemic didn't you oh yeah the thick of it it was yeah. when everything was unknown it was it was rough but, yeah Rob, we, we just, just put a bookmark in that. We could probably do like a whole series of podcasts uh, with you and about that, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's not what we're, we're here. We're talking about Christmas today. So um, you and what, what do you love about Christmas? Just what's, what's kind of some of your favorite things about the season? Oh yeah. Uh, Christmas has always been my favorite holiday by far. Starting as like a little kid, it would be like Halloween. Once Halloween was over, it'd be right to Christmas. I always had like, there's a picture of me with like an, I was, when we lived in Philadelphia, I had like a Eagles Santa Claus hat. I was always decked out. I just would say like, well, actually right now my Yankee candle Christmas scent burning on. I just, I just like being festive, having like that Christmas vibe, the energy. I'll have Christmas carols playing. Like, yeah, I'd say I'm a that's, pretty big Christmas guy. Now- <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and for those of you listening who are not, um, uh, I'll use the word as vibrant in age as uh, me and you and a vibe is uh, well, it's a mood that, that carries a little more than just like, you know, a feeling it's something you set up. So like when you paint your room and the lighting's right and you, like you're saying, you got the Christmas scent going on, maybe that like sweater and a cup of hot cocoa vibe. Yeah, it's, it's part of the aesthetic, the aesthetic. Yeah. If you don't know, now, you know, Chapelgate, there you go. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know what to make of that rob but thanks for that um so you and uh you you mentioned you're a freshman at calvin so so how are you feeling about um just kind of this being your first christmas coming home from college um good um i i really haven't been homesick that much so kind of i visited home twice already so kind of visiting is just like it's coming back home is like a visit. It's not really part of my life anymore. Hmm. So like when I'm at Calvin, that's my life. And when I come back here, it's just, it's just a visit. So I'm going to be working. Um, it's, it's going to be a nice little break though, but I, once the break's done, I'll definitely be ready to go back. That's, that's how I'm currently feeling. I don't have any like, strong strong feelings or opinions about it yeah Ewan, thanks for um thanks for sharing about just kind of who you are and and uh what christmas uh, is going to look like for you uh this year um so today we're talking about what child is this uh and the carol uh it, it's almost like asking this puzzled question like it can't really work out the answer at first it asks what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. It's it's this kind of paradox almost. And, and I think, you know, part of the reason we're doing these conversations is because we want to pay attention to the lyrics and notice mm -hmm. what's going on in them. Um, and and so just noticing that it's just this, this kind of like, um, you know, it doesn't quite know what to make of Jesus. And I think that's a really profound uh, question to ask that, that I think we don't even realize we're asking when we sing that song. Um, and, and I wanted to kind of get into to talking about this song um, by asking you, you know, you sang uh, choral uh, in, in high school. Um, and it was actually yep. it was actually coming to see you sing in Old Ellicott City last year that really yeah. got me thinking about this because you were there with like tons of other people singing all these songs about Jesus who maybe some of them didn't even know what they were singing about. So like how is it for you when you're performing, when you sing these songs about Jesus? Do you do you think about the words or or are you just kind of focused on the performance? Yeah, so I would say most i in hindsight looking back well in the moment i really wasn't thinking about the words because i was really i was focused on the performance my choir teacher was like really he was very serious pretty professional but i think i was thinking i was thinking about this um i was kind of thinking not even about like the message we were sh sharing to like other people in old ellicott city just kind of like my core my choral teacher and um like the people within my choir, because I went to a public school. 
So not everyone's Christian, obviously. Right. And I right. just was wondering, and we would like rehearse these songs like an hour a day, every day for a few weeks. And I just, I don't have an answer to this, but I just was kind of wondering, like, I wonder what these, like, do people think it's like stupid, like hearing this, you know, or like, does it touch them in a certain way? Like, I don't have a specific answer, but that's just like what I kind of think about it. Cause from an outsider's perspective, I mean, you'd be like, who that, like, who is this Jesus guy? Who's like born on, if he's like the son of God, um, he's right. born and, like in a manger, you know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think, and, and to me, that's part of what's cool about this song is, is it's asking that question. Who is this kid? Who is this baby? Um, so, uh, Rob, I, I know you did a little bit of kind of research uh, in in the background. I don't know if you want to speak a bit about the background of the song or. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I love to look into it a little bit because it helps you understand, you know, we, we talk about context, right? Who wrote this? Who'd they write it to? What, what's going on here? And the guy who writes this is really interesting because a lot of Christmas carols and hymns are, are written by ministers, um, but not this one. This is written by uh, W. Chatterton Dix in uh in and around 1860 um and actually doesn't gain popularity for over 100 years is really not until um after 1950 that this song even becomes popular around christmas at all um but chatterton dix is is he's not a pastor he's actually a an insurance uh a marine insurance manager um in england and so he's like literally just a normal guy with a passion for writing poems and and things about scripture and this is really based off of isaiah 9 um you know six to seven to us a child is born to us a son is given and, and the government will be on his shoulders and you know wonderful counselor prince of peace everlasting father mighty god all those things right what child was that child from isaiah and so um you know Chatterton Dix, like he really captures that well in this, in this song. Yeah. I love, I love that it was written by just an ordinary guy. Um, I think sometimes we lose that behind the flowery old language, but he really does use just kind of everyday imagery. You know, he talks in the second verse about how, uh, you know, he says, why lie he, why lies he in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian fear for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Um, you, you know, Christmas is is really the only time of year where we have songs that talk about specific barnyard animals. Um, and and what what this sort of highlights for me as I read through the lyrics is how, you know, we have the beauty of the birth of the savior of humanity that's right up next to these pretty kind of basic, ordinary, you might even say kind of nasty conditions. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen a, an ox or a donkey feeding, but they're they're pretty nasty. Like there's slobber everywhere. They're not clean eaters. Um, so you uh, and I don't know, I'd, I'd love to hear kind of your thoughts, even as you hear those lyrics and kind of what that stirs up for you. Yeah. Um, I feel like when I think, when I just think of that, um, like that picture, I just think of like the sense of vulnerability. I, I don't really like know what it kind of connects to, but like, well, actually, yeah, like we've all been in that state when we're 
babies and just like vulnerable. And I feel like, I think what's really cool is that like Jesus has like walked the path of life that we all have and like has just like made himself like relatable to us. And like people in third world countries have been born in the same, like similar or same conditions that Jesus has, you know? And that just like, that also just connects like God's love too. that. Like God just didn't come for like the wealthy, but he also just came for like the poor too. So Hmm. yeah, I, I I don't really like know what that all connects to, but those are just kind of like the, first kind of things that just come to my mind. So you and I, I love that. Um, and, and I especially like just the, the observation that we're all babies, right. Or we all were babies at one time. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it talks about Jesus being, you know, as a baby being the silent word who's pleading. Um, and, and I, do you even know what that, does that, does that make sense to you? That line? Um, not 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 really not really (laughs) you and i'm with you i feel like um you know we kind of talked about this in a previous episode but a lot of times we sing these songs and we just kind of breeze right on through these words and this is one of those lines that literally until today when i was forced to prepare for this podcast I've said, I mean, I'm 31 years old. I've probably sang this song 15 times every Christmas. So that's at least 23 times. And I'm sitting here like I've never stopped to like consider what does it mean for the silent word to be pleading? So Dan, I mean, I'm, I'm with you in on this one. This one's a, this is a mystery to me. Yeah. And you know, I'm not sure I have the exact answer, but as I've thought about it, um, I actually, I went back to, again, you and I I love how you brought up that we were all babies because it, it got me thinking about, you know, the experience of being a baby and babies are loved, right? They're, they're just love for who they are. They don't contribute anything really to the life of the family. They, they don't, you know, they just lay there. They're, they're quiet until they're not. And then you got to deal with them. Right. Um, and, but they're loved. And I think what it means for the silent word to be pleading for sinners is that God loved his son. He loves his son. And Jesus, even as a baby, is lying there in the manger. And it's as if he's saying to God, the way you love me, that's how you love sinners who believe in me. Amen. So love me and love all these people who are like me, um, who are, who, or not who are like me, but who believe in me. Um and, and I think it, it actually got me thinking about this reality that we live in a world where you're loved if you perform, you're loved if you do well. Uh, you and, you know, you live, you're, you're a college student, your life, I'm guessing, is probably strongly ruled by the need to perform, especially in mm-hmm. your classes. Um, just what's it like living in that world of performance? Yeah. Um, okay. I... This this might sound a little crazy, but I kind of I kind of like it. It keeps me <laughs> it keep, okay. That's it keeps, it keeps me motivated, and it like makes me like reach for like a. It like makes me have goals. It keeps me motivated. That's what I really enjoy about it. But I was um I was thinking about this today. Um, 
I think a big struggle in like these upcoming years and probably for the rest of my life is going to be comparing myself to other people with like, I, I mean, I was always comparing myself to other people like in high school, like on just like a social hierarchy level. Um, but now it's just kind of be like, oh, like who got this internship? Like who got this job? Um, it's yeah. Like I can, I can perform as best as I can, but people are just going to have different opportunities than I am. And I, it's just like a, nothing like in particular, in particular has happened yet, but I just know that it's like to come. So it's just like kind of like a new reality for me, like in this kind of new world of performance and just be and becoming an adult. So. Yeah. I, I, um, man, I, I can remember that feeling you and I, I like remember it really, really well. And maybe cause it's not like terribly that long ago for me, but, um, I even remember like, uh, when I was applying for colleges, like that experience of, you know, putting yourself down on a piece of paper, your grade point average, your extracurriculars, your, you know, charitable actions, your leadership, all these things, like your personality and sending those things off to the different colleges that you're trying to get into. Um, and I remember like there was one college in particular that I wanted to go to really, really bad. And I started getting letters back and I, and I probably, I don't know why I did this. I applied to like 12 schools. It was really dumb. It was a huge waste of money, but I, <laughs> I did, did too. It. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And so, you know, I'm getting these letters back and it's like, congratulations. And like, you know, here's some, here's some scholarship money. We love you. And it, you know, it felt so good, but of course the, the oh, one yeah. I want to go to comes last. Right. And it's like three weeks later than everybody else. And when it's coming that late, you know what it's going to say. And it said exactly what y'all listening think it said. It said, sorry, you weren't good enough. Um, and kind of wrapping my head around that, I was <laughs> as thinking about, you know, you're in college, you're going through this, this performance world, transactional world. I was like, that next line brings so much comfort to me. Come peasant, come king, own him own Jesus. And what a different, <laughs> what a different economy to be a Christian, to be invited by the silent word who pleads on my behalf, come, come, you know, Ivy league school, come community college, come trade school, come McDonald. I don't care. I love you, uh, man. That's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, Ewan, you know, what, what do you think? Um, and, and I'd, I'd love to just kind of see where your, where your mind goes on this, but what do you think it me might mean for you to kind of live out that good news that God's love for you isn't tied to your performance at all? Yeah. Um, so I was actually, I just was talking to my mom about this and we like related it to the uh, Shakespeare quote basically it's summed up like all the world's a stage and everyone has like their own own part. And like, I think for me, what I've, well, I think particular, particularly hard for me is like my dad has been like in ministry his whole life. He knew that he wanted to be a youth ministry. Like he was a youth ministry major in college, you know, like, he kind of knew from the get-go he's been in ministry his whole life. Um, and it's just been, it's like throughout high school, like applying to colleges, picking a college. 
I mean, Calvin's a Christian university. Um, it was kind of hard to choose like, who am I going to be? What am I going to do? But I just kind of, it's just all kind of like God's process of like me figuring out like, okay, at this point in time, I don't think I'm going to be, I, I'm not going to be a youth ministry major or a pastor from like the get go, but I might be like an elder in a church in a few years from now or work for like a nonprofit for something. And it doesn't even have to be a Christian organization. Like I'm just glorifying God and honoring God like the best I can. Um, that's just how I've kind of just gone about thinking like my profession, my life, my future. It's like, I don't necessarily have to be in mini- like in a ministry job to glorify God. And like, that took a bit for me to figure out just because we literally lived in Austria for a year. Cause my parents were like missionaries. Like it was, it was hardcore. It was hardcore stuff. So I've just had, yeah. I've been doing a lot of praying, thinking about it. Um, yeah. And we'll see, we'll see where God takes me with all of this. So. Yeah. You and th- I appreciate you sharing that. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, we were, we were missionaries for six years in London. Um, yeah. You know, knew your that. family while we were there. You guys, yeah. <laughs> you guys came through on your way to Austria, um, to, um, and, and stopped and saw us. Um, but I, I, I definitely, you know, faced that reality of thinking, and 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 forgetting that God's love for me wasn't tied into what I did for God, uh, and and whether that service is you know as a missionary or a pastor or um, just you know in in life, God's God's love for us is not tied to what we do for Him, um, and and that can be. I appreciate you just kind of sharing even the struggle to kind of figure out life. Uh, as in light of that, because I think for so, so often we, we say those words, you know, yeah, I know God loves me, but then when it comes to the nitty gritty of how that works out in our lives, um, it's, it's messy. It's not neat and clean. The answers aren't always clear. The direction's not always clear. Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. We have seen a great light. The unimaginable Jesus is here, shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome him. On behalf of everyone here at Chapelgate Church, we hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening.